Uh, so, New Year's Eve, wonder how you're feeling today. We're getting into a series on feelings. You know, I'm an Englishman, so I'm obviously well in touch with my feelings. So. Um, but by way of illustration, someone asked me recently, has Trinity Bay got a dress code? Has this church got a dress code? And looking at you lot, well, I can see, yes, yes, um, sort of suave, chic, sophisticated, I think. Um, and what about up front, this person asked me, would you ever preach in your thongs? Now, once I'd reminded myself that thongs means flip-flops and, and, got, <laughs> and got my head back, I had a think, and I thought, well, probably not. But mainly because I'm 44 and I don't want to look like I'm trying too hard to look young. Um, I could never be one of those sort of hipster pastors, you know, with the big beard and the, the flannel shirt and a pair of jeans that look like they've stolen them from a 14-year-old. That's just not me. But thinking of dress codes, I wonder, does Trinity Bay come across like we've got a dress code, as it were, for feelings? Uh, does anyone ever on a Sunday think, I, can't, I just can't go to church today. I haven't got everything together. Uh, I need to be in a better emotional place. Well, this series we're beginning today is exploring some of our feelings. And we're doing that through the Psalms, some Psalms, because if you've ever, if you've ever felt it, you'll find it well expressed in the Psalms. And that tells us something. It tells us that God understands our feelings. It tells us that our feelings are a valid part of who we are and that God wants us to come to him with them and not hide away from him with our feelings until we feel we're in the right frame of mind to approach God. All our feelings are a part of how we can relate to God. Not something that needs tidying up before we come to relate to God. So I'm glad we're exploring these feelings through the Psalms. Because uh, I don't want any of you ever to feel like you have to be in a good place or feeling okay before you turn up at church. In fact, if you're feeling down or angry or full of doubt or, or feel like giving up on God, uh, church is the first place you should be even more than usual. So I hope this series will show, us, show that, how, that God can handle our deepest feelings and that the good news of Jesus is good news which speaks into whatever we're feeling. So next week, Mark Curran will look at guilt in Psalm 51. Then the following week, I'll help us look at doubt in Psalm 73. And then for Cameron's first sermon at Trinity Bay as senior pastor, I've saved a nice one for him whilst I'm on holiday. Anger. So, save the best for Cameron. But I get to start positively, okay, with joy. So we saw in the video, joy involves emotion, yes. But it's, it's more than that. Because the, the Apostle Paul talks about rejoicing in what he is suffering, so it's obviously not something that's dependent on feeling happy. And in the Bible, joy is something that turns up whenever God does. And there are loads of references we could look up. But to keep it simple, 
Let's just stick with Psalm 100 mostly. So if you ever look in your leaflets on the outline, it's, it's a, so it's a psalm, so we need to do a bit of sort of high school level poetry lesson kind of thing. We've got to look for, for patterns and structure. And Psalm 100 is a nice easy one. It's in layers. So we've got two sets of commands to do joyful acts. And in between, reasons, and they're in grey in your outline, reasons for having that joy that will result in those joyful acts. Okay? So you've got verse 1 and 2, shout, worship, uh, and come. And then why? Verse 3, because the Lord is God. He made us, we belong to him, we're the sheep of his pasture. And then verse 4, we've got more joyful acts, thanksgiving, praise, thanks and praise. And again, reasons why. Verse 5, because God is good, his love endures forever, he is faithful. So even just the structure of the psalm tells us that joy is something we act on in our lives in response to inner feelings of joy we feel inside. And that inner joy comes from, not from circumstances or external influences, um, but that joy comes from unchanging truths about God. So joy comes from knowing unchanging truths about God. All right, let's get into it. So first of all, verse 1 and 2, there's a joyful command. And it starts wide and then gets in closer. Shout for, jo- for, jo- jo- Sorry, start again. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Narrows in. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him. So like personally at his feet, right up close to God. Come before him with joyful songs. So the psalm before this, Psalm 99, has been calling the whole world to come and worship God. But raises the question, doesn't it? Why does God want all people to worship him? Um, like, is God just vain? You know, Australians don't like a tall poppy, do they? We don't like somebody who um, just wants to hear how great they are. Or is God insecure and he needs like the confidence boost from us worshipping him? Or is he like in sort of Roman and Greek mythology where um, he needs worship to draw power from? Well, no, none of that. Um, we all have in us the need and the desire to see perfection and beauty. And when we do, we praise it, don't we? It's our sort of default response to experiencing something good. And we enjoy doing that, don't we? So when we see a beautiful sunset, or a newborn baby, or we eat a really good chocolate brownie, we praise those things. Not because we have to, not because a sunset or a chocolate brownie needs us to, but just because it's true. And doing that, giving that praise brings us joy. And especially when we share that experience with somebody else. But much more than a sunset or a brownie, God is perfect, perfect goodness. God is infinitely praiseworthy. So as we come to know him, as we get drawn near to him, uh, we find ourselves with more and more to praise him about. We worship and praise God, shouting for joy. Because it's the appropriate response to who he is. 
And we come before him with songs, like we have this morning, because music's a great vehicle for, for expressing the joy that's in our hearts. So the application here, I think, is to make sure that we've got God right. You know, Psalms, I've always found, is kind of a, a how things really are. It's a, it's a good reality adjuster. And the result of knowing God, it's not like finally winning the begrudging approval of a grumpy father, uh, uh, finally getting a crumb of self-worth. No, God is a loving, kind father who wants to share the joy of his goodness, his holiness, his perfect love, he wants to share all that with us as his children. And we share in that as we shout for joy, as we worship him, as we sing joyful songs. So this command to shout for joy, first and foremost, is for God's glory. Yet it's also a loving command for us because it brings about our own joy. So that's our first set of joyful acts. Now in verse 3, we've got our first set of what is good to know. What's good to know? Verse 3, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So God is God. He's all-powerful, in total control, eternal And he made us. However he did that, he made us deliberately, not by accident. Made us deliberately to belong to him. Um, When I used to to work as a radiographer, when I worked in CT scan, we had um, a helper employed. She was really capable, and you were really pleased when she was on shift with you, um, to assist with all those sort of admin-y, non-professional bits. And this colleague, Tegan, she was really good, a great help. But on the odd occasion that I happened to get to something that was one of her tasks before she did, um, I I learned, like all Australians, we were getting on well because we mercilessly took the mickey out of each other. Um, So when I got something before she did, I'd say, Tegan, what are you even for? She took it well. She was fine. (laughs) And had many occasions to ask me the same question. We don't need to worry what we're for. So a source of joy for us is that God, who didn't didn't need us, didn't need to create us, he chose to create us to share in his love and goodness in relationship with him, to belong to him. So there's joy in that there's a certainty and a purpose to our existence. And if you're looking for deep-seated joy, you're only going to find it with God because you were made for relationship with him. We aren't random. We do belong. And the sheep of his pasture there, that's an image of God as our shepherd protecting us and providing for us. And we don't need to guess if God is really like this because God has fully revealed himself in Jesus, the good shepherd showing us the extent of his love. And it should be verses up there, Alice. Thank you. This is from John 10. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
and I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. We belong to God, and our joy and our purpose is to be found in living out that belonging to him. And Jesus gave up his life for each one of us so that we can do just that. So first four now, and once again, we find ourselves drawing near in joy. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So again, it's that sense of starting wide and coming in close. So it begins at the city gates and moves in to the temple courts and ends up praising God's name, approaching him personally. And did you notice the thanks and the praise go together? So we grow in joy when we remember all that we have to be thankful for, when we gratefully accept God's grace to us. See, the whole reason we can approach God at all is because in Jesus, God has cleared the way for us. Jesus' death on the cross paid the price for our sin, our rebellion against God. Now, Colossians 1 puts it like this. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. So even the very fact that we can approach God to give him thanks and praise at all is a reason to give him thanks and praise. We don't have to work our way back. Jesus has done it all, and we just need to accept his gift, trusting in him. If we think our right standing with God depends on us, if we seek to generate our own joy, uh, then we have to take ourselves very seriously, don't we? Now, if we're very sort of moralistic and it's all about us doing the right thing, then the smallest dent or scratch in our reputation, the tiniest lapse in our performance, uh, become a great concern and overwhelm us. Trying to earn our way to God robs us of joy because we'll be constantly confronted by our own failures. Uh, on the other hand, if we just live as we want to, by our own rules, without regard to what God thinks is right or wrong, again, that will rob us of joy uh, because we'll be just become cynical. We'll end up going our own way and inevitably end up in hurt and disappointment because people are inherently sinful. But the way of joy, the way of joy is to gratefully receive the free gift of salvation through believing in Jesus and giving your life to him. Living out his ways, not to earn your way, but in grateful response to his grace. But what if you're here this morning and you're feeling wretched? Maybe you're suffering loss or illness. If you're afraid or depressed, angry or hurt, isn't it faking it 
to thank and praise God joyfully. Joy is having that deep assurance that everything between you and God is all right. And once you're saved by Jesus, no circumstance is going to change that. So although it may be through tears, although you may not be feeling it right now, thanking and praising God with joy is still the right response. Because what is ultimately and most importantly true remains true. You will win at life because Jesus has won for you. And finally, more reasons for joy. Uh, from verse 5. We've got good news that causes great joy. We're told of three true things about God. Firstly, God is good. It's a simple expression. God is good. But do you believe that? Is that how you see God? Often we have natural questions that's completely reasonable to have, such as how can God be allowing this suffering that I'm going through or that I know about, how can a good God let that happen? And we'll look more at those kinds of questions later in the series. But often the question behind that question is, is God really good? Well, this psalm tells us that he is. And how do we know? How do we know? Because secondly... His love endures forever. Like I said, there are loads of references in the, to joy in the Bible. But often they come about when, whenever God turns up and does something that means his people get to know him better. And one we usually remember at Christmas. I like to extend Christmas as long as we can. So in Luke 2, uh, when the angels announced Jesus' birth to the shepherds, um, notice it's interesting how they describe the news do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Again, we don't have to guess if God really is loving. He loved us so much, he sent his son Jesus to save us, to rescue us from the judgment we deserve, bring us forgiveness. And peace with God forever. Every human's most pressing need isn't the perfect family, the perfect job, uh, isn't mental or physical wellness. Our most pressing need is for everything to be all right between us and God, between us and our perfect, holy, loving God who made us. And in Jesus, God has done everything to make that happen. That's why Jesus' arrival causes great joy for all the people. And our final source of joy, God's faithfulness endures. God's faithfulness endures. God isn't fickle. You don't have to worry if he'll keep his promises or change his mind. God's faithfulness gives us joy which transcends our circumstances and emotions. Because what we know is true about him stays true. It's always true. We know that our hope 
of eternal life is real hope because God promises it and he is always faithful. So what do we take away from all this? What's the application for this? Am I just telling us all to always put a brave face on and look happy? Well, no, I'm suggesting more than that, actually. I'm suggesting that we cultivate a smiling heart. That is, that we we keep getting to know deeper and deeper unchanging truths about God, which causes deep-seated joy. So keep reading those truths about God in the Bible. Keep singing about them. Keep talking to one another about them. Remind one another. Straighten each other out uh, about how things really are. About what God is really like. And as we do that, we nurture in ourselves the desire to do joyful things. To shout and sing God's praises. To do acts of service. And with that joy in us, with hearts smiling at unchanging truths about God as the foundation, we'll be able to give thankful praise to God, which in itself will bring us joy, whatever our circumstances or feelings. So I want to finish with um, some verses from Hebrews, which tell us how joy helped Jesus through the very worst of circumstances. From Hebrews 12. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please um, help us to keep growing deeper and deeper in our knowledge and appreciation of the unchanging truths about you. Thank you that you are good, that you are loving, that your faith endures, your faithfulness endures forever. Please help us um, as we begin uh, 2018 tomorrow.